0: Welcome to the High and Low Podcast. This is your host, bravo, bravo, ducking, bravo. And ooh, the sound is so much better when I'm back at home. I tried to record a podcast on my phone so that I could be away from my house and do it. It's not worth it. It sounded terrible. I couldn't do that to you. So I'm going to re-record it right here, right now. And boy, a lot has happened. I'm almost glad it didn't go out because the very next day after I was going to release a deep dive on the Marco Marco lawsuit... We, I didn't even know that this had happened, but she had filed an anti-slap lawsuit against Chris of Marco Marco. And you're like, what's an anti-slap lawsuit? And a quick summary is that under most anti-slap statutes, the person sued, i.e. Erica, Mikey, and her assistant Leah, make a motion to strike the case because it involves speech on a matter of public concern. The plaintiff then has the burden, so Chris Marco Marco would have had the burden of showing a probability that they will prevail in the suit, meaning that they must show that they have evidence that could result in a favorable verdict. If that person, Chris Marco Marco, the plaintiff, cannot meet that burden, then the suit is dismissed. But a judge took a look at it, and they were like, oh no, this is going forward, which is amazing. So first of all, I'm shocked that she tried to file an anti-slap when this man was... Let's just get into it. Let's get into it. This is a deep dive. As usual, my disclaimer for this is I am not a lawyer. I am not personally involved with any of this. Uh, Everything I'm going to be telling you is pulled from either a court case filing or from an LA Times article, New York Times article, or some other institution that has a fleet of lawyers who have fact-checked this. Nothing in my dives are done with malice. Everything is stated to the best of my understanding. I know if I get something wrong, you all will tell me and I will correct it because I am not a man. I don't mind being wrong. I enjoy learning new information. I do have my own opinions and those will be stated. I'll also likely have a few rants here and there. And when the subject matter is dark, that means I'm going to be cracking jokes wherever I can to lighten the mood. Let's go. As you know from either life or from watching The Housewife and the Hustler Part 2 or from watching anybody tag Marco Marco, they are a design house. It's pretty famous in Los Angeles. They're great at what they do. They make bespoke, custom, creative, one-of-a-kind costumes, performance attire. Whether you know it or not, you've seen their outfits on many famous people. And if you're one of the like 50 people who have watched J-Lo's new, I don't know what to call it, je ne sais quoi. This is me now. There is actually a Marco Marco sighting in that when I I think there's people that represent all the different signs, astrology signs, and they're all sitting around a table and like Post Malone is one and Jane Fonda is one and I think Kiki Palmer. And they're all wearing like these things where they're like fur coats, but they have a symbol and it's gold and it's huge and like crazy headdresses and whatever. Those are all made by Marco Marco. There are two designers, all right? One of them is named Marco Marante. The other one name is uh, Chris Salia, I think is how you pronounce it. It's spelled P-S-A-I-L-A. So I always want to say Pasalia. I know that's wrong. Look, at, if a word has a P in it, I'm going to say it If when I read it. I can't help myself. Like Pterodactyl pneumonia we have to move on from this anyway they are good friends as well as business partners both of whom own 49 percent. they started that design house in the year 2002 after they had met at design school and in 2014 a publicist that they had also had a client named erica girardi and she wanted marco marco to help her become famous as erica jane bigger better and attract a gay crowd. Here's a direct quote. Working with Marco Marco, Chris said, was part of a plan to, quote, go the gay route in her pursuit of fame. That's how it was explained to him. In the LA Times article, the whole section says, she'd been introduced to them by a mutual publicist who said she was in her early 40s trying to become a pop star and had a rich husband to foot the bill. Back in 2014, she wasn't on Real Housewives yet. By all accounts, Marco Marco was way more famous than she was. They had an amazing reputation for doing stellar work, nice people, and they absolutely said, yes, we'll work with Erica Jane, and they started making her costumes. Now, this is something that they said in The Housewife and the Hustler, part two, which is that at their very first meeting, Chris who kind of does the back of the house stuff. So Marco is more in my mind when I look at this front of the house. I saw some footage where they had a fashion show in New York. Chris wasn't in any of that footage, but Marco was. And so I think he goes out with sort of client engagement where Chris is back of house. He's running the shop. He's doing the invoices. He's also creating and designing as well. And they complement each other perfectly. And in an LA Times article Marco Morante said, quote, I would be working in a bar or something without their partnership. He said, I would have rather gone to do all that jail time for Chris than let that woman or any of these people change reality. And of course, that woman is Erica Girardi. And when they first met Erica, Chris tries to hand her an invoice and she puts her hand up and she says that won't be necessary. The lawsuit also says that Leah Erica's longtime assistant and Mikey, Mikey Minden, who we know, choreographer, BFF, creative director, were at that 2014 initial meeting when they all first met each other as well. And both Marco and Chris say, she said, that's not necessary. Keep my credit card on file. Charge me when you need to charge me, but we don't need to do this. Invoicing every single time you make me something like a business would. I'm adding that as a business would, because if you ever work for a business and you order anything, you have to have the invoice. You have to process it. You have to do accounts payable, all that stuff. And watching Real Housewives in the year 2015, 2016, when she was actually first on the show, we saw Marco on the show. We saw her go to Marco Marco and try to pull up a suit And she's like,
1: Marco, you made this so
0: tight. I Can you make that out of it. We saw that episode. We've seen her shimmy, shimmy, pat puss dance around in all these beautiful custom costumes that they made her. It's everywhere all over her Instagram. She would tag the design house. And they not only designed for her, they also designed outfits for her backup dancers. And, you know, the majority of these performances, they're not like, you know, Radio City Music Hall. We're talking about nightclub shows or, you know, gay pride parades, things like that. On the rare occasion, she would be filmed for real housewives, sure. But these were smaller audiences. And still, she's using the same design house as like Katy Perry, Lady Gaga, very heavy hitter people who are performing for millions of people. It says the company had bigger accounts, including Britney Spears's Las Vegas residency, Ringling Brothers and Barnum & Bailey Circus. But Erica Girardi provided steady work month after month, year after year. At its peak, she accounted for between 20 and 30% Of their entire business revenue. Now in November of 2016, they had been working together for almost three years. Things had been going along as it had from the beginning. When she wanted something made, she would text him, rather Mikey or Leah would. And so he would get a text message saying,
1: Hey babe, can Erica get some more fringe on her cat suit? I'm
0: not sure whose voice I'm doing there. I don't know if I'm doing Mikey's voice or Leah's voice, but that is the voice I'm going to do regardless of if it's Leah or Mikey sending a text to Chris or Marco. And there's always a winky face. And Chris's lawsuit has exhibit one attached, which is I think a dozen or two dozen. Yeah, it's 26 pages of just text messages from Leah and Mikey. It's just evidence to prove that work was done. Goods and services were provided. So I've read a lot of text messages and they're all kind of annoying to me at this point. And so they would make the requested cat suit or add stuff to it or make a duplicate of it because one got stretched out. Who knows for what for reason, right? And they would deliver them to Erica. They would hand deliver them or someone would swing by and pick them up. They would do fittings. These are actual things that happened. So Chris was very taken aback when suddenly in, I don't know if it was November or December of 2016, Erica contacts him and she says, hey, there's some charges on here I didn't approve. And his first reaction is like, oh no, we'll fix it. The customer is always right. Like, we will get to the bottom of this. Don't you worry. And she's mad. She's livid. And the LA Times article says... They're theorizing that this is when Tom was running out of money. Things were not going good for him. He's looking at an America's Express bill and he's saying, what are you spending money on? And the LA Times has a quote from Erica where she says,
1: Tom comes home and says, Amex charges are really out of control.
0: She said that she never had access to her credit card statements, So she asked him to explain what was upsetting him about them, that he blew her off, but then confronted her the next month once again offering no details. At that point, she says she called American Express and she wanted to put an app on her phone, which would literally take you five seconds. And she said she put the app on her phone and then when she was in Texas for a performance, she saw a $5,000 charge from Marco Marco pop up that she says she had not approved. And she says she called Marco Marco and that Chris agreed to reverse the charge but it later happened again. Now, Chris, nowhere in any of his case stuff says that this conversation happened. Over two years, 2015 and 2016, the grand total amount that she spent at Marco Marco was almost a million dollars. It was 937 thousand something something something. Uh, that's a lot of cash for cat suits at nightclubs on a Real Housewives show, where they're not paying half a million dollars a year in your first year or your second year. Okay, fine, for the D- Denise, they paid $2 million, but that's for Denise effing Richards. I mean, Chris, I think it was Chris, not Marco, but one of them said they couldn't believe she was spending this much money on herself, on her costuming, but hey, it's her world, right? Mikey's coming back and forth, Leah's coming back and forth saying, we want more,
1: make it more, no, a little bit more fringe, something showstopper.
0: It was a spare, no expense, founder of Jurassic Park, spare, no expense mentality, it seems. So Erica and Chris go back and forth on, I believe, text message and via email, and he's like trying to look quickly. Just imagine, put yourself in that position for a moment that you've been dealing with a client who is sending you text messages through two different people, Mikey, Leah and they're always asking for things and you're always doing it for them. And you've had to have the credit card reauthorized at least two times because once it expired and another time, you don't hold on to credit cards after you start a new calendar year. So there have been occasions, at least two to three, when they've given you the credit card number again, and when you order, they order something from you, you charge that credit card number. And all of a sudden, this client is saying, three years into the relationship, You're charging me for things I didn't approve after they've never cared about an invoice. So you got to stop what you're doing, your giant long list of things to do and costumes to make and start going back and trying to find invoices and match them up to be like, well, which one? So Chris says, why don't you come in and we're going to figure this out. We're going to look at each one of these things because they're going back in email. And he says a few things where he's definitely making it seem like, like if we did something, I'll fix it. He's like, I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm, I can't find, you know, uh, I think he says like a hundred thousand dollars he can't account for, but they're going to fix it. He's like, blaming it on a bookkeeper. It wasn't the bookkeeper. He was just trying to scramble and make this rich lady feel like if you have been mischarged, we will find every dime for you. So he welcomes a meeting with her. He does not know that on December 14th, 2016, when he invites her to Marco Marco, his little shop, to come meet with him and figure out and make her feel like we are going to get you every dime. He doesn't know that she has already reached out to the Secret Service in Los Angeles and that she is going to walk into his shop with a wire on. He does not know that while he's going into this meeting hoping to address any issue, right any wrong, she's going into the meeting looking to implicate him on tape that she is already working with American Express and they are trying to get back from Marco Marco around $800,000 to $900,000. She also had Mikey and Leah with her. She was not alone in that meeting. Mikey and Leah are, are in this. It's, like, it's really like Erica, Mikey, Leah, American Express and the Secret Service. So Chris has no idea what this meeting really is. And he won't know. For six to seven years that the day before, on December 13th, Tom Girardi walked into a courtroom in Los Angeles to represent his good friend Rob Savage in a court case about Rob's Volkswagen having issues with the braking system and rob had gotten a settlement but he was not happy with that and he felt like his lawyers weren't honest with him and he was supposed to get more money for his volkswagen braking system not working and so even though a settlement had already been reached in court he brought tom on tom's like i don't get you more than that and so tom walks all cocksure into a courtroom and the judge kind of reads him to filth and they have a few quotes from that in the la times article it says when Girardi." And the savages, because it was Rob and his wife both involved with this Volkswagen situation. When they all arrived for a court hearing in the minivan case on December 13th, things did not go their way. The judge could barely contain his fury at Girardi, and I immediately like this judge. Quote,
1: this whole sequence of events is
0: extremely problematic. U.S. District Judge Haywood S. Gilliam Jr. said, according to a recording of the hearing, that I would pay to hear. I have a really uneasy feeling about the way that this has gone down in terms of respecting and following my orders, and I can't tolerate that. Girardi seemed taken aback that anyone would question his integrity and announced a solution that left the courtroom stunned. The savages would dismiss their case against Volkswagen and he, Tom Girardi, would pay the couple more than 10 times the value of their Volkswagen settlement. Well, if the court thinks, this is Tom's voice, I decided that I'm going to give Tom Girardi a voice from the Lollipop Guild going forward. I hope you're on board with that.
1: If the court thinks I intentionally did something wrong or tried to do anything inappropriate, that doesn't work with me. So I personally would pay him $100,000,
0: Girardi said. The judge sought confirmation from him that the offer was real, and Girardi repeated the plan two more times. So you're saying to yourself, why does it matter? Why do we care about this guy, his good friend Rob Savage, having this whole situation go down very badly for everybody on December 13th? Wait for it. So the next day, December 14th, the same day that Erica wore a wire to go meet with Marco Marco, Girardi did just what he said he would because the judge found all of this so untoward. He filed papers to dismiss the Savage's claims against Volkswagen so they didn't get a dime from Volkswagen. And Rob Savage never did get $100,000 from Tom, but at a Christmas party a few weeks later, he handed him a check for $7,500, which was the exact same amount he would have gotten if he had just kept his Volkswagen class action settlement. When asked about the hearing Rob Savage said this was very embarrassing situation to witness and was not what i
1: anticipated from my expectations of his formidable legal reputation as a premier plaintiff's attorney at that time and again and again
0: i say to you was tom great or was he just a little guy who got to fail upwards his whole life because he bought people things that they liked and glad-handed and schmoozed and had a a table at the Jonathan Club, you know? But okay, it's too early for a rant. Who is Rob Savage? Rob Savage was special agent in charge of the Secret Service's Los Angeles field office. When Erica and Tom looked at her American Express bill and saw all these charges and all this money being spent, she called Rob Savage to tell him that Marco Marco had been stealing money from her. And so he connected her with two other agents and they wired her up and sent her in to go meet with Chris. So she and Mikey and her assistant would have such a fun story to tell at cocktail parties or whenever she got to play two truths and a lie on Real Housewives. The closeness of Rob Savage and his wife to Tom Girardi is not in dispute. The L.A. Times sent a few questions to Rob Savage before they originally ran this article in 2023 in February, and he wrote them back confirming that they were very good friends. And there are photos of them together on Super Bowl Sundays. Guess who else is in the photo with them?
1: Hi, Chief. How you doing, Chief?
0: The chief of police that they stood up and gave kissy-kissies and hugs to at Morton's. The chief of police who said, You lunch with Layton? Tom Layton. That same chief of police is in a photo with Tom Girardi and Rob Savage, and they all have little jerseys on, little jerseys, and they're all saying yay for a team on Super Bowl Sunday together. Tom Girardi was very big into Super Bowls. You could ask anyone why. Because it's man bait, in my opinion. It's man bait. If you get tickets to the Super Bowl, you can buy a friend, period, full stop. I think that's a big part of how he wooed people. He would have a big party and make it amazing, probably lobster paid for with client tears, all that good stuff, and then also send people to the Super Bowl. All this will come out in time. That's my theory, that he just, he really knew how to win people over and shock them by giving them amazing things. Also, Rob Savage's wife had known Tom before he met Tom. These articles say that some of her relatives had known Tom for decades. Two of them had interned at Girardi and Keyes in the 90s. And this article says Rob Savage was a regular at Girardi's annual Super Bowl parties where police chiefs, judges, and top attorneys, and the article just calls it out specifically, they say, almost all men down cocktails while wearing football jerseys over tuxedos. Now in Chris's lawsuit filing, there are some things stated about Rob Savage that are very interesting. They say that Rob Savage when he quote retired, we'll put those in quotes, in 2018, they say that he was asked to leave because he had been abusing his status as a secret service agent on advance teams. Now advance teams are whenever the president, vice president, whomever is going to travel, they send an advance team to do exactly that, go in advance. And it's Secret Service agents who make sure that the location is safe and secure. They know where the exits are. All the things that you would want to know before you had somebody important somewhere. So they're saying that when there wasn't a need for an advanced team, he would just show up at some fancy place and be like, Hey, I need a room. I'm working advance for the president. I'm really important and I need some golf too and I'm hungry he would abuse his status as an agent to get free stuff. And I'm sure they have proof of it because they put it in the court documents. And so I can't wait to hear more about that. And if anybody has ever read anything, salacious articles about the Secret Service, that's not like a huge shock. You know what I mean? Like they've had scandals before when they travel. In the year 2012, a big article came out about an issue in Cartagena. If anybody else remembers this, I might be the only one mumbling these things in the back of my mind. But in Cartagena, there were Secret Service members and members of the military. They allegedly paid $60 each to a club called Cartagena's Play Club for women to come back to Hotel Caribe with them where they were staying. But the next morning, one of the women demanded more money And a dispute ensued and there ended up being like 20 women at the hotel. It was all very um, scandalous. And they ended up, I guess they had been bragging to the women, saying that like, we work with the president, we're here to protect him, you know, that kind of stuff. So getting a free game of golf, is a little bit lower than that. And that's why it does not shock me. The close relationship that Rob Savage and his wife had, had with Tom Girardi is not really disputed here. What is disputed is that Chris's lawsuit says like this was all a quid pro quo. This was all Rob saying like, "Oh yeah, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. Let's let's mic your wife up and send her in there to take this guy down, get him to say something that'll trip over his feet, and then you guys get your $800,000 back from Amer- American Express. You represent me in this lawsuit. You come you kick down those doors. And even though my lawyers already got me this amount, I'm mad at them. They lied to me. They told me they're going to get more. You come get me more money. And then look at all of us. Ha ha. We've all gotten more money. Whereas Erica maintains, and they alluded to this in the housewife and the hustler part two, Borges B for Borges. Her lawyer says that she did not communicate to Tom Girardi at all. Her husband, that she was going to call one of his besties, Rob Savage, and tell him about the situation, meet with him, go down to the office, get wired the whole night that Tom was not aware and that Erica, likewise, was completely unaware that Tom was going to be representing Rob in a lawsuit the day before. What they're saying is Erica and Tom did not communicate to one another that they were both seeing Rob Savage a lot in December of 2016 for different things. I personally find that very hard to believe. If I was going to go meet with the Secret Service, my husband would know about it, especially if the head of the Los Angeles office was a good friend of my husband's. If I was going to be wearing a wire, my husband would know about it. If my husband said you're spending too much money and I was like, oh, these designers, I don't talk like that, but you know what I'm saying. They stole money from me. Oh, I got to get this money back. Oopsies. I didn't, it wasn't me. I didn't wear a bunch of cat suits. They stole from me. He would know what I was doing about it. He would be aware of the general facts. But okay, sure, Jan, sure. So back in 2016, Chris had no idea that there was a connection between Erica Girardi, Tom Girardi, and the Secret Service in Los Angeles. And he wouldn't know that until the Los Angeles Times did some digging and wrote an article that exposed it in 2023. It had seemed odd to them that the Secret Service was involved and was doing all of the sort of heavy lifting on this case. It's very unusual for the Secret Service to get involved in things like this. So they dug around and they are who discovered that Tom was close with Rob Savage and had represented him the day before in the Volkswagen case. Not really representative, sort of made a fool of himself the day before in the Volkswagen case. A fool of all of them, really. And we thank him for it. So when Erica, Mikey, and apparently also Leah go in to have this meeting with Chris at Marco Marco's offices, he's thinking... All right, I can't find you know receipts for like a hundred thousand dollars, but he's saying to her like, "This is what I can't find." He says to her like, "If we have to take out a loan, we will take out a loan. Whatever we have to do to pay you back, if something has been done wrong here, we will do it." That's when she drops the bomb on him that she's saying a hundred thousand more, like eight hundred thousand dollars. And his team has definitely gotten their hands on the recording because Marco Marante said that he's heard it, and there are quotes from the recording in this filing, and so here's the back and forth. Chris says, $800,000? Uh, I don't even know how that would be possible. Erica states later,
1: this is a million dollars. This is eight hundred, nine hundred thousand. 900000 well, whatever, of my husband's money that's gone, she told Chris, and she went on to state, you know. All that Tom has done has been good to me. And all you've done is taken my money. So here's this woman saying, all that Tom's done, all that he's,
0: she said he's, all he's doing is being good to me. And all you've done is taken my money. This is after Housewife and the Hustler is trying to paint Tom as, again, a short king monster that wouldn't let her wear jeans, that was a tyrant, that she had a hard time getting away from. And yet she's saying to this man, just as so many of Tom's friends and colleagues have said, that he would give her anything, that there was no budget for her. He supported her in her dreams and so on. And she's saying all he's done is be good to me and all you've done is taken my money. Now, two things can be true. He could have been like, whatever, spend whatever you want. And then when things go south for his business, he's not doing well. He's like, what are you spending money on? And either they come up with this scheme together or she does it on her own. I don't know. Hopefully it all comes out in court. But upon hearing the recording, Marco morante is upset. And he's like, Chris, you patsied yourself. You made yourself look like everything was your fault. And she's accusing you of something. And you immediately take that on. You immediately say, like, I must have. If you're saying that the sky is, is purple, then it must be purple. And I will do whatever it takes. It's like. You don't even know. You haven't even had a chance to go and look yet, but he automatically took the blame. Chris said in an article that he regrets implicating a bookkeeper who had nothing to do with anything. He said, quote, I was so desperate and panicky. I did not want to lose her as a customer. Marco Marante said at first he thought, well, maybe the company like accidentally charged her credit card some small amount, but he never believed that Chris, his partner and friend, in this business for 20 years and what he calls a rule follower who would refuse to jaywalk in college had stolen hundreds of thousands of dollars. I remember reading one article where they asked Marco why they thought that she and her crew, whomever, targeted Chris but not him and he said, I'm loud. I got a lot of friends. Their personalities are different. So the entire meeting, Chris is saying, I don't, there's no way that we could have taken that much money from you, but she takes her recording and American Express uses that as a reason to refund the Girardi's $797,000. And then it's like, it's like that meme, the Spider-Man meme where they're all pointing at each other, circular, right? So the Secret Service has hyped up American Express to feel like a real crime has happened here. So American Express pays Tom and Erica back. There's so much money, so much money, which, and then the fact that American Express issued Tom and Erica this giant sum of money was cited when they brought everything up to the grand jury. And that's part of the reason why Chris was indicted. So it's like the circular thing, like what came first, the chicken or the egg? You know, the money being returned or a wiretap. It's like, but there's no there there. And it's truly chilling to read all of this and see that somebody's life just with the snap of fingers of some rich lady saying,
1: you stole from me.
0: Like all these people get spun up and without anyone checking, game over. American Express has its own investigators. It's almost like its own little you know, police crime unit of when something is fraudulently charged. And what happens is, because I've had to do this, I'm sure somebody out there has as well, if something is charged on your account and you didn't approve it or you don't know what it is, you call them or you do it online, you say, "Uh uh-uh, this is a suspicious charge on my account. And they go and they investigate, or they're supposed to. And so they reach out to the merchant and they say, what is this? And the merchant has to show you what it is and did this person order it and when and what was it? Or they come back to you and they say, you're right, that was a fraudulent one. We've pulled that money back from that merchant and don't worry about it. But they did something very odd in this situation. Marco Marco, the design house, had been working and they'd had their design house since 2002. They'd never had issues with fraudulent charges. There was one time, Chris says, when someone said a $4,500 charge was fraudulent And so American Express pulled that money back from them. But in their merchants' rights, they can show receipts of like, no, that wasn't fraudulent. Do not take that money away from us. That is labor or goods or services that we provided. And they showed them those receipts. And so the $4,500 was put back. So in all their time working with them, they'd never had an issue. And yet, based solely on Erica Girardi's word and the fact that the Secret Service were involved and whatever that will hopefully all come out at trial because I'm very confused myself, American Express gives them that money, but they don't charge it back from Marco Marco. They just give it to the Girardis from their own money. Because again, normally the merchant is alerted of like these, however many charges are said to be fraudulent. We're pulling all this money back from you because Papa Amex is between you and the merchant. So when you swipe your credit card, whether it's a city card, whatever kind of card, you're not spending your money. You're spending their money. So it's like you have a giant gangster papa who's given people this little bit of money. And then if something goes wrong, they step in and they fix it and make it right. But the fact that American Express had a guy, his last name is Grimm, G-R-I-M-M. He was the investigator. He met with Erica. And I don't know if Mikey and the assistant met with him. I can't find where I thought I had that in the lawsuit, but I believe that Mikey and the assistant also looked at the American Express charges and helped Erica to find items that needed to be disputed. Now, as much as Rob Savage, we're going to hear from in a little bit about how he wants to be removed from this entire narrative. On December 14th, the day that she was wired and sent in to Marco Marco, after that happened, Rob Savage emailed Mr. Grimm, the American Express investigator, and requested a call to discuss the case. So I'm not sure how many people assured this guy Grimm of American Express that this was the amount of money taken and that he needed to take action. But either way, he was told these XYZ charges are fraudulent. This is the amount of money that they took from us looking through the American Express bills. And they gave it back without reaching to Marco Marco for proof. And so then because American Express, their whole mindset is like, this is legitimate. Money was taken. A crime was committed. That fact is presented to a grand jury and used to help indict Chris of nine counts. And so he is indicted based at least partially on American Express. Giving that money back to the Gerardis as if a real crime happened, and also the Secret Service being involved and all of it just getting out of pocket. And this all happens very, very fast. December 14th, she comes in with a wire. January 11th, Secret Service agents raid Marco Marco design shop. January 11th, not even a month. With the holidays factored in, it might as well be like the next day. And so you're thinking, what the heck was on the tape that convinced the Secret Service agents to do a raid with guns drawn of this little design shop in Los Angeles? Well, Chris's attorneys say there was nothing in that recording that warranted that action. They came in and they took all electronics. They put Chris on the sidewalk in front of his store for hours. He said he was like shaken. people across the street. Are doing RuPaul's drag race. Like it's people know them in this area. It was embarrassing for them. It was devastating for their business because you can't run a business without your laptop. You can't finish your orders without knowing what was it you're supposed to be making, where are all of your sketches, where are the notes from your customer, everything you can think about that would go into an order was taken. But the silver lining for Chris and Marco is they're thinking, okay, well, at least they have everything. So if they have everything, they'll be able to go in and see that we actually made stuff for her and we didn't just take money. The biggest downside is that along with their business tanking and people leaving, because, you know, if somebody's got to go on tour or Britney Spears is waiting for an outfit, she has to get that outfit, regardless of what drama is happening at the design house. So they take their business elsewhere, everybody that was sort of waiting on things, and they lost a ton of money. And they cannot even work to defend themselves because with everything taken from them, they can't go back and look through their invoices and receipts and say, okay, well, here's that. She, she texted me on this date at this time. Uh, Mikey then sent this, and they asked for more fringe, and then I made this. They, all of that is out of their hands. It's been taken from them. And the Secret Service has this stuff for months, all right? So that was January 11th. Then I'm reading on April 20th, 2017, the American Express investigator Grimm was interviewed by the Secret Service. And he told them, like, yeah, we we reimbursed the Girardis for $787,117.88. And one week later, on April 28th, 2017, Chris was indicted and arrested. Now, after he was arrested, I believe they gave that all back to him because he says to the LA Times that after he was arrested, he scrutinized every charge that they ever made to Erica Girardi's credit card slash Tom's credit card and determined that they were all legitimate and they have like 132 separate transactions over 2015 and 2016. So Chris and Marco went about four months January to April, hoping that the Secret Service was looking into everything that somebody was doing, like a forensic accounting of everything. When in reality, his lawsuit says they never did a thorough investigation. They would have seen all the evidence there that that no fraud was committed. They say there was quote no complete, accurate, or fair investigation done by Savage or two other agents, Agent Skarinz or Agent Henderson nor by American Express and Grimm. So Chris is actually, he's got this lawsuit that is you know really addressing Erica, Leah, her assistant, Mikey Minden, and American Express. And that lawsuit is for $18.5 million, I believe. But then he has a separate lawsuit for, I believe, $75 million, targeting only the Secret Service. The Erica and her crew in American Express, this one is... million. But as I'm reading it, I really feel like that's just a starting point is they're pointing out how badly American Express handled this, because when they reimburse the Girardi's that $787,000, they're saying that just stating that they reimbursed it to the Secret Service implies that American Express had done some kind of investigation to determine that fraud was committed, when in actuality they're saying they never did any because the proof was so obvious that there wasn't. And then they're also saying that they are confirming that there was uh, legitimately a sum of $787,000. This sum of money was only ever put out into the universe by Erica and her crew. There was never anyone who went through every line item and said, yeah, okay, this much, this much, this much. This number was just generated between her two ears. Maybe Tom's too, maybe Mikey's, we'll find out. They're also saying that they were wrong this whole time to make it seem like Erica Girardi was a victim when in reality it was Girardi and Keese who was paying that bill. She was an American Express user, but under the umbrella of Tom slash the Girardi and Keese account. It wasn't her own American Express where she was responsible for paying the bill from her bank account. She was using a credit card where she was an authorized user. So to make it seem like she was the victim is a misleading path. Now, something that the housewife and the hustler left out that I was yelling at my TV when I was watching it was I wanted them to explain how Chris got to this place where in 2023 he's got such a good lawyer who sees all of this, puts this together, and is sort of like really helping him because they skipped over a lot of how Chris got out of this. So he's indicted in 2016. And what's really important to know is that the government wanted him to be remanded in jail until he was put on trial. That means that that man would have been in jail for like four and a half years because they didn't drop the charges against him, dismiss them until 2021. Probably because he had such a clear history of no crime, no issues at all with the law. A judge let him out on bail of $100,000 and he had a brother and a father and those two family members scrounged up 100000 to get him out. So from 2016 to 2021, his life is hell his life is hell. He is mentally, physically affected by this. His business is affected by this. His reputation, his brother passes away. His father passes away. He says in an article, as well as in the documentary, that both of those family members, the only family that he had on this earth, both of them passed away during that stressful time. And they both died not knowing what was going to happen to him because he was indicted on nine counts and they're very serious. Count one was use of an unauthorized access device or the credit card. And that one count can result in up to 10 years of imprisonment. And then counts two through eight, which are wire fraud counts. All of those together are 20 years possible on each count. And then count nine was using her name, so it's like um, almost identity fraud. And that has a mandatory consecutive two-year prison sentence. So all together, all those nine counts come out to a maximum of 152 years in prison. Chris and his husband had been trying to adopt a child. All of a sudden, that's not possible. Not when somebody has been charged with this kind of crime and could do that kind of time. So he lost his family that he had as well as any possibility of starting a family. And in another article, he says that when his father passed away in the year 2020, he left him some money. Now, what did he do with that money? He went and got a good lawyer. He finds a lawyer named Greenberg. And I immediately like this man. He hears the story about what has happened to Chris, and he's pissed. He's like, how long has this been going on? What's happening? And he starts asking questions big time. He starts saying, "Great, let's put Tom on the stand. Great, let's put Erica on the stand. Wonderful, show me your work. What did you actually uh, cite here in order to arrest this man?" He's asking questions left and right. Now, by the summer of 2021, a lot has happened in Girardi world. Tom's not running LA anymore. People are are hip to the game. The things aren't things are not going great for the Girardis. And this lawyer doesn't care. He's like, I don't care if his people are saying that he can't, he doesn't know his name anymore. Get him on the stand. I don't care what else the Girardis have going on. This man's facing 150 years in prison based on their word. Greenberg reaches out to the investigator Grimm of American Express and he says, how did the amount of the reimbursement, $797,711, whatever, how was that arrived at, please? What was the total amount on the card that was charged by Marco Marco? Or was that the amount that Erica claimed was unauthorized? So he's saying like, how did you get to that number? I would like to understand it. But Mr. Grimm did not answer Mr. Greenberg. Instead, he emailed the assistant United States attorney and he says, not sure what this question is asking, but the fraud amount claimed by Erica Girardi was $787,117.88. This is all public information. You dare to email the assistant United States attorney that we pay our tax dollars with? Guess what? You can FOIA it, folks. And he answered the question in that email. Not sure what this question is asking? The fraud amount claimed by Erica Girardi? That's the answer. You say that's the fraud amount because that's the amount that Erica Girardi said was stolen, period. You didn't do your own investigating, according to this case, and also in my opinion. So Greenberg's just kicking up dust. In July, he had been emailing the prosecutor, being like, show me what you got. And he asked for anything from the Secret Service. He asked for it, uh, you know, from the government. And nobody is sending him anything. And he just keeps asking until finally, on September 25th, 2021, Greenberg writes an email to the United States attorney saying, give me a copy of the check, at least. Let me see the check that American Express wrote to Erica Girardi. He sends subpoenas out to this guy, Grimm of American Express, and he tells assistant United States attorney, I'm going to call Grimm, Tom Girardi, and Erica Girardi. They're all going on the stand at trial. Let's do it. And then what do you know? September 28th, 2021, the indictment of nine counts for 150 something years against Chris was moved to dismiss by the government. And by the next day, September 29th, a judge had ruled on it and it was all done. But the damage had also been done. Looking over this case, there's a couple of things that really, to me, are quite devastating. Chris got very lucky here. He got, I mean, as horrible as that is to even say, because he was not lucky in dealing with Erica Girardi and and being a target For them to get some cash when they needed it, it seems. He got lucky in two ways. He got lucky that Tom Girardi's empire of bullshit came crashing down before he could be locked away for the rest of his life. And he got lucky that the pandemic hit because the pandemic slowed down his trial. He was indicted in April. He was arrested. And then he was let out on bail. And that was back in 2017. Erica wasn't happy to hear about it. This case says, in a telephone interview on October 16th, 2017, Agent Henderson of the Secret Service spoke with Erica Girardi and told her the trial was being delayed. She told Agent Henderson she was still willing to testify to, quote, Fuck Chris. To fuck Chris. This statement is included to demonstrate her malicious state of mind And there are more statements of this kind in possession of plaintiff. And I hope that we hear all of them because it's what I don't get. All right. What really trips me up is the friendliness with which Mikey and Leah always were texting Chris. They were so chipper and like, hey, can you make me this? Can you make me that? They know that these outfits existed they know how much time and money and effort went into all of this. They have to know that there's no way that 800 dollars to $900,000 was fraudulently stolen by Marco and Chris. And I don't understand how they can all have decided that together. I don't understand. Where is the vitriol coming from? Where is the belief that these two men would take that money? Or why lie? For seven hundred and ninety-seven thousand dollars, you're gonna put a man in in jail for almost the rest of his life? And I mean, years have gone by. Erica has now even okay, let's just play the game that's so fun to play, that she wants us to play, where she never knew that Tom was did anything wrong, right? Ever. She never knew that a dime was misappropriated. She never suspected ever that he wasn't just the best lawyer ever for all of his clients, right? She knows now. And in 2021, she had to have known. Everything had already fallen down. But this LA Times article says Erica Girardi learned of the case's dismissal on Twitter. Rob Savage was no longer at the agency, but she placed an irate call to the main case agent.
1: I said, how could you do this to me? I'm at a terrible point in my life. This makes me look like a liar,
0: she recalled. She said he apologized and mentioned his relative inexperience at the time of the investigation. How could you do this to me? I am at a terrible point in my life that this makes me look like a liar. Sure does. You're at a terrible point in your life? What do you think Chris has been through for the past almost five years? You about took down Marco Margo. Took a man, reduced him to almost nothing. Two cheerful, talented, immensely talented people who were dedicated to their clientele, who took text messages from all hours of the day and night. Marco Marante drove out to Palm Springs to bring her outfit to her. These guys were working. Whenever she needed something, the answer was yes, what is the question? Just stellar customer service is what I see in these text messages. I don't see any pushback of like, don't you think that's enough decor on that? They're like, okay, all right, we can add more to it. So my biggest revelation here was I did not realize how deep in the sauce Mikey and Leah were. They're part of it. They also apparently met with the Secret Service. They also went on the wiretap, uh, apparently entrapment date at Marco Marco. They are the ones who were sending a lot of the text messages, all the ones that I see anyway, and this is like, I don't know, a dozen pages, that they're going back and forth, back and forth. So they are the ones on the front lines, again, who know what was commissioned, what was spent, what was asked for at Marco Marco. They saw all the replies back from Marco or Chris saying, no problem, got it, I'll bring that to you, okay, we can do that by then, oh God, and they curse sometimes, like, oh no, like, you want that by when, like... But they make it happen. And yet this article says Erica was appalled that Marco Marco's owners were suggesting she had betrayed them. Oh, please.
1: Now that my reputation is in the toilet and Tom's in a home, of course they're saying she did this, she said. There was no reason for me to do this.
0: Well, I can think of 797,711.88 cents worth of reasons. And that's exactly how many reasons they have to never admit that that wasn't factually based. Because I'm assuming that if that wasn't accurate, American Express is going to want that cash back. So they're kind of painted into a corner here. And that is why with all the Girardi stuff going on, this has been the case that I have kept an eye on since I heard about it. Yes, Tom Girardi owes a ton of money to a ton of people, but that's all the secured, non-secured creditors. People have to have money to go after him. Chris was very fortunate to be able to afford a really good lawyer. Stanley Greenberg is a former federal prosecutor who's practiced in Los Angeles since the 1970s. He seems to be asking all the right questions, and he seems to be as pissed as he should be. He said, quote, The Secret Service just seemed to have a very intimate role in this whole thing. And it included getting money for Tom Girardi and not bothering to question one of the main witnesses. Referring to Marante, like, why did they ride so hard for Chris and only Chris when there are two people who own equal amounts of this company? And he said it just reeks of the fact that they were doing some kind of favor. The article also states, and this is very sad, That though almost every criminal case ends in a plea agreement, Greenberg said he told the prosecutor he was taking the case to trial, which we heard about earlier. Quote, I had reached the point where I said, I'm not going to let him plead guilty. This is a good lawyer. I'm into this lawyer. Because who could ever, I'm sure in their minds, okay, this is my theory. If Tom and Erica came up with this, uh, you know, with or without Mikey or just knowing that they're like follow along, you know, dingleberries that are going to do whatever... They all probably thought, oh, this guy will take a deal. Like these charges are so serious that Chris will take a deal. Maybe he'll get six months, a slap on the wrist. It's his first tangle with law enforcement. We get almost $800,000, $900,000. He'll be fine. They'll do the business again. But he never pled guilty. And in the lawsuit, they say that Erica would ask, why hasn't he pled guilty yet? And that they would explain to her, this man is up against 150 whatever years he's planning on fighting this. So I think it it all went in a different direction. If it was a scheme, right, which, come on, then I think that they thought that this guy was going to roll over immediately. And he might have been forced to. But again, he had a few things on his side. I'm going to call it fate or karma on his side, because this case is showing the corruption of Tom Girardi and how it not only touched too many lawyers and judges and politicians and things like that, but it also touched the damn Secret Service. He had all kinds of law enforcement in his corner. Now, as we alluded to in the beginning, a lot is happening in the month of February 2024, a year after the original article came out about this entire situation. One, on February 13th, Rob Savage filed to try to get himself out of this situation. In early February 2024, Rob Savage filed a motion to dismiss as a client from this case. The grounds of that are that he and his legal team say that Chris failed to state a valid Bivens claim against Rob Savage in the complaint and that the bribery allegations of the quid pro quo between Tom and him had no factual support. Now, a Bivens claim, according to DailyJournal.com, is a civil rights claim against federal officials who are alleged to have violated the U.S. Constitution. But Chris's lawyers wrote back and they said, the conduct we allege goes to the heart of the integrity of the criminal justice system. And they're saying pretty much that if the relationship between Tom Girardi and Rob Savage had been known to prosecutors and been disclosed, combined with all the other wrongs they've alleged— that the case against Chris would never have been brought and that he would never have been subjected to an arrest, an indictment, and prosecution. So they're saying that the relationship between Rob Savage and Tom Girardi is significant and Rob shouldn't be able to just, like, duck out of this. And so that issue, from what I can see in the little filings here, is going to be heard and weighed on before a judge in early April. So, like, a month and some change. And Rob's lawyers are saying, like, he had no role In this criminal matter, he just asked some other Secret Service agents to investigate Erica Girardi's report of credit card fraud. Well, that's a pretty significant role to me. Chris filed this lawsuit against Erica in August of 2023. In December of 2023, Erica, Jane, and her team moved to strike the complaint based on anti slap statute. And that's what she just lost. I guess she technically, Mikey and Leah, because all their names were a part of it. And for clarity's sake, Mikey and Leah are listed in here as aiding and abetting malicious prosecution. And it's stated several times that they knew that these were not fraudulent charges. Quote, Erica Girardi, Leah Ribetayada, and Michael Minden knew Chris had provided Miss Girardi with all the costumes and services reflected in the invoices charged her American Express card in 2015 and 2016. And there are certain parts of this filing where they straight up just say like Mikey and, and Leo like and, and Erica are lying, and they knew they were lying. But let's go over the claims for relief. There are four separate claims for relief. The first one is based on that Bivens cause of action, and that has to do with Rob Savage and then Agents Skurrence and Agents Henderson. About them acting under the color of a federal authority and about how Chris has a constitutional right under the Fourth Amendment to be free from unreasonable searches and seizures and due process of law. That's under the Fifth Amendment. And that these three agents of the Secret Service were involved in instigating, quote, instigating and causing a baseless criminal arrest and a grand jury indictment and then prosecution of Chris. And furthermore, that they were actively and instrumentally involved in the continuation of that criminal proceeding. And this all just being based on false allegations of Erica Girardi. And then they violated his rights. And then this is very interesting to me. It says here that they fabricated reports and evidence against Chris and concealed exculpatory and impeachment information from him that resulted in his indictment. I hope that we get to see the fabricated evidence and reports. The false report could be as simple as just the indictment itself, right? Or it could be more things. I don't know. And it says they acted deliberately indifferent to his innocence with reckless disregard for the truth and without probable cause. The word reckless, I'm going to have to see which is mentioned more, Mikey's name or the word reckless. It might be a toss up. Just kidding. Mikey's going to win. And it goes pretty hard on the Secret Service, as it should, for saying, look, you took all the computers, you had all the information, you had all the documents that you seized. And it says, quote, they should and would have established that Erica, Leah, and Mikey were lying and that Erica Girardi received costumes and services that she ordered and paid for with the American Express card. It also says that the Secret Service agents, they suppressed and concealed that Brady information, which is when Greenberg reached out to them and was like, well, show, you got to show me what you got here. And they didn't. That's my layman's terms way of explaining it. And I just know the Bravo docket is going to explain it in a very uh, thorough way. So I look forward to hearing that. And I just found the section in, in the lawsuit where they talk about they must have some kind of proof or they wouldn't put it in here. But they say that Rob Savage was caught and forced to leave the Secret Service, he would just show up at a nice place and be like, hey, I'm working in advance to, uh, you know, keep the president safe and uh, I'm going to need a room. Ya yeah, mooch. Many of the mooch. It says these facts. Facts. All right. I believe it. Let's see it. Which would negatively affect the credibility of the Secret Service investigation were not disclosed to plaintiff Chris during his criminal case. Yeah, I'd want to know. If a Secret Service agent who was sweating me was a shady mofo, I'd want to know that too. It runs the gamut. I mean, there's like a hundred and something line items here against the Secret Service. And again, that's why he has a separate lawsuit just about the Secret Service and how badly they misuse their power, didn't do their proper investigations, all the things that they're being accused of here. Uh, And that's why, because there's just so much he's saying, like, you could have ended this. You never should have done this in the first place. You came in there, guns drawn, ruined this guy's business, took his computers for based on what? For what reason? There's a lot there, though. We could be here all day. OK, so then the second cause of action, that's the malicious prosecution against defendants Erica Girardi, Leah Ribatayata, and Mikey Minden. And again, the allegation here is that those three individuals were, quote, actively and instrumentally involved in instigating and causing a baseless criminal arrest, indictment and prosecution, and were actively and instrumentally involved in causing a continuation. So they started it and they kept it going. And apparently, they talked to American Express and pointed out all kinds of things that they dated were fraudulent charges. And then they met with secret service, like, They scrambled the inept jets and they kept them scrambled. Now, Chris and Marco and whomever else, oh man, I would have helped them do it for free. They went back through and they listed out all 132 transactions between the Erica Jane showboat BS and Marco Marco. And so they have aligned receipts with everything. And so Exhibit 1 is what they have attached to this case. Exhibit 1 is what I was quoting from earlier when I'm telling you about these text messages that I see going back and forth, just flutters of text messages. But apparently there's a lot more. And they are saying that there's not one thing that they ever made her that they can't prove that they made her and how much it was. This section is really sad too because uh, line item 133 says, As further proximate result of Erica, Leah, and and Mikey's actions, Chris was required to expend more than $180,000 in attorney's fees and other expenses defending himself in a baseless criminal proceeding. So that right there is the answer to why do most criminal proceedings end up in a plea deal? Who has that kind of money? It's expensive just to defend yourself. And that's the real injustice. In America, is that if you are wealthy enough, you can just junk up the system and ruin people if you want to. And I don't want to get off on a side note here, but I also think that is the beauty of social media because I can think of three or four situations in the last two, three years where somebody very wealthy tried to ruin legally or intimidate someone legally and they failed splendidly because that person went on social media and threw it all under sunlight and was like, here's what happened. Here's what I did. Now this person's trying to ruin my life legally. And the public gets involved and they squash it. But back in 2016, when this happened to Chris and it kept going on through 2020, I mean, I can't imagine how alone he felt and how powerless he felt against the Girardis. If you have a Secret Service agent coming after you, you've got two of them, And they're arresting you and they're they've taken all your equipment and you think they're gonna finally see that I didn't do this, but instead they indict you? What? And he says in this article, he lost all faith in the justice system, as anyone would. I mean, me just reading Girardi cases, you know, since 2020, I'm disgusted. I'm beyond disgusted. I'm like, is there such a thing as justice? Do we wanna know what the average is of people actually finding justice. But this section also says that he, Chris, has suffered and will continue to suffer a loss of reputation in the community. I mean, you look this up, you duck-duck-go this, and until the end of time, this will come up. These LA Times articles talking about Chris having to deal with this. This is a mar on his reputation, on Marco Marco, on the amazing business that they had. This cost them so much money and time. This cost them things that you cannot put a price on. You cannot put a price on your father dying of cancer. And while he's dying and dealing with that stress, he also was stressed out thinking that his son is going to go to prison for maybe the rest of his life. You cannot put a price on losing the opportunity to adopt a child because of false accusations. You cannot put a price on the peace that they have lost, that they will never have again. They are forever changed by this, as anyone would be. When Chris went on The Housewife and the Hustler, he said, I'm here today to be a warning for people of who you let into your life. His whole reason for going on that show was to serve as like a cautionary tale. This says, Chris has suffered and will continue to suffer emotional distress, pain and suffering, physical damages, causing him to seek past and future medical treatment with associated costs and damages in an amount to be proven at trial. A couple of times here they say to be proven at trial. Let me have a televised trial, I beg. I beg for everyone to see all this because it's like a small portion of people will listen to this podcast or to the Bravo Dockets podcast or watch Emily Baker's coverage of this subject matter. If this is televised, there's no hiding this. Last line item in this section 136 is Erica Girardi, Leah, and Mikey's actions were willful, malicious, outrageous, and done with reckless disregard for Chris's rights and interests and therefore warrant punitive damages. Before I get into it and read some of the back and forth text messages, we'll go over the third cause of action. That's aiding and abetting malicious prosecution, and this is targeted to the American Express investigator and American Express. This is about American Express not doing their due diligence, about them refunding the money that then helped to make a stronger case against Chris when they never took away their merchant privileges or held up their side of the bargain for the merchant agreement to actually investigate when someone says something was charged fraudulently. So they're just listing out all the ways that American Express failed Marco Marco and Chris, and then the nonsensical ways that they are still allowed to use American Express at their business and they have American Express cards themselves. What sense does that make? If you've got this guy who cheated American Express out of almost $800,000, but he's still a valued card member, we'll still take your money every year for our charge card and you're still allowed to use American Express at your business. That just doesn't make any sense. The fourth cause of action is conspiracy to commit malicious prosecution. Now, that's because they're accusing American Express and this guy Grimm of working with Erica, Leah, and Mikey on deciding on this amount of money and going after it based on nothing but their word. Saying that they conspired together in a wrongful and malicious scheme to commit the tort of malicious prosecution. I mean, it goes on and on. The line that stands out to me the most was, quote, It was more important to Amex and Grimm to satisfy Erica Girardi, Leah, Mikey, and Secret Service defendants in their zeal to maliciously prosecute Chris and give the Girardis an unjustified refund than to conduct a fair and diligent investigation that would have revealed that there was no fraud. There are a few things in this filing that really pique my interest and I can't wait to hear more about them. Number one is a sentence that says Erica, Leah, and Mikey quote, attempted to recruit and align Marco Marante against Chris. But Mr. Morante refused because he knows that Marco, Marco, Mr. Marante and Chris provided all the goods and services invoiced. And he knew that Chris was innocent of the criminal charges. To this day, Marco and Chris are full partners in Marco Squared. They tried to recruit Marco? What did they say? They wanted him to say that Chris was guilty? I really hope we hear more about that. And more than once, they also say that Erica and her crew had several opportunities and conversations with people, you know, working the case and American Express to be sure, be sure that these are all the fraudulent charges. And they say that they explained what the charges were that Chris would be indicted for if they move forward with this, and the weight of those charges. And so the point of putting that in the lawsuit, I think, is to show that Erica and her team were fully aware of the severity of their accusations, and they stuck with them anyway. So that's where the $18 million comes up too. They're talking about punitive damages for, you know, loss of business opportunities, the things that have already been mentioned here, emotional, physical, mental distress, pain and suffering, all the things that Chris lost, as well as, you know, covering the legal fees that he's had to pay for. So they're asking the court to look at everything and assign damages accordingly. And they're saying whatever is assigned, know that this was in excess of $18 million. That's the like a minimum of what it was costing Chris and his business and everything. Because Marco Marco had recently launched an underwear line that was going very well. It was very popular. And even when I'm doing my research, I can't find a website for Marco Marco. I, I see that one existed. I see that it was there. It doesn't come up. So that could all still be defunct. I mean, it takes a lot of effort to populate a website, get it going, have an online merchant account, which some of the receipts that he has in Exhibit 1 are from a Shopify store. So there actually is an automated invoice of it with a day, a time, and an amount and the quantity of items purchased. But let's get into the exhibit. We're already, you know, going about an hour here. I don't care. We're going over today because this one is content rich. So Exhibit 1, Chris or someone has taken the time to go through and paste in in a Word document that someone then made copies of that are so bad that it makes me angry. But there's text messages of back and forth where Leah, mostly, mostly Leah, is asking for something, for either a fitting or a specific outfit or, hey, remember that cat suit that you and Mikey did? He wants more of this or less of this on it. And then they went through Erica's social media and they have her social media post showing the cat suit in question right there in full color. And then they show their sketches that they did at Marco Marco where they were dreaming up this cat suit. So it's almost like the game when you're a kid where you're like, line this giraffe with that giraffe on that corner. Like when you are two years old, toddlers could start to draw a line between two things that are the same on a page. That is what I am looking at here. There are sketches that align to social media posts that then are being discussed in text messages. The point of this is to literally show that there is no doubt that they were asked to make things that cost a crap ton of money, and we're going to go over that in a second, that they then made the things, that they adjusted the things, made duplicates of them, made them for her dancers, hand-delivered them. And then she wore them and there's proof of it. And these aren't just random examples that are put into Exhibit 1. The lawsuit says Exhibit 1 is evidentiary proof that establishes beyond all doubt that Chris and Marco Marco supplied the costumes and services represented by the seven invoices for the seven counts against him. So he's facing seven counts, remember, of fraudulently uh, charging her credit card. So for each of the seven counts that, for whatever, whatever reason, these are the ones that the government honed in on, he has taken the time to go through and show the backstory, the origin story of each of those seven charges. And proving beyond a doubt, it says here, that they were all legitimate charges for goods and services that she received And that her team approved. They're showing that, no, we actually did work for that. And here's what we made. And here's how much they cost. And I cannot wait for this to go to trial. And I keep asking myself, will she reach some kind of settlement now that her anti-slap has failed? Because I don't know what the repercussions for her are on this. If it's all just monetary or if there's possible jail time we're talking about here. I don't know if the Secret Service will actually pursue it because they were part of it too. But to lie to American Express, I mean, if that's proven, then I'm sure they want their money back. To lie to the Secret Service, there have to be repercussions for that. One would think, one would think. One other thing that I noticed too is that Chris says in his lawsuit that at one point the credit card that they had for her expired and they had to get a new number. and Fujimoto is mentioned in this, and that is Tom's long-time assistant. He had three or four assistants that he had for like ever. I mean, ever. Sherlene saw some stuff when I was digging back in the day. Sherlene's name is all over the place, signing on behalf of Erica. Sherlene had to give like new numbers to Marco Marco, so they knew that like Tom was essentially, you know, paying this bill just like they knew when they first met her. That's how she was presented. This rich lady in her 40s wants to be a pop star. Her rich husband's going to foot the bill. But I saw Charlene's name and I perked up and I was like, tell me somebody knows where Charlene is and that she is going to be questioned about. I cannot wait to see the assistants on trial because I feel like they know everything. But I also know that they are fiercely loyal, or were anyway, fiercely loyal to Tom. It's hard to believe something bad about somebody that you liked or was nice to you. So they might still believe that Tom is somehow innocent. This is going to just be really fascinating psychologically. Okay. So one of these pages of exhibit one says October 21st, 2015. So each page, there's like a little something written to give you context of who, what, when, where, why, and then the text messages back and forth and then images and then the outfit sketches and all this kind of stuff, right? So October 21st, 2015, as is customary, Marco Marante relays design confirmation to Chris, who in turn runs card on file, acknowledging that the payment is, for November 8th to begin production. Leah texts Chris to schedule a fitting for the following Monday. So there's texts from me. And these texts, I would never, I could never fathom in a million years asking these amazingly talented designers to do some of this stuff that they're being asked to do.
1: Leah is like, by loading some across the street, could you run it out, please? Smelly face, smiley face, awkward face. Like, you want them to
0: run out and give you something. Like, you can't, I don't know. It's just irritating to read these. And then another one like, hey, exclamation point, can we possibly come by next Monday with E? They always refer to her as E, which just reminds me of one of my least favorite shows to have ever existed on television, Entourage. And I'm pretty sure one of the characters was referred to as E. Ugh. New text from Leah. Great. You still have one of the costumes, right? Chris replies, yes. She writes, cool. Chris replies, what time do you want to come in tomorrow? She says, let me see. Dot, dot, dot. Prob afternoon. Dot, dot, dot. Just say probably. Then she says, can we do Tuesday? Double question mark. And he writes back, yeah, no problem. And she says, great. Is follow up
1: TMRW with the time. Smiley, winky face. Can we do 1.30 p.m. tomorrow, happy face? Works for us, Chris
0: says, exclamation point. Perfect. See ya TMRW. And there have been times in my life when I've thought about, like, wouldn't it be fun to open a little shop? You know, maybe I'll sell flowers and and salad and and French fries, and I'll call it girl dinner. And it'll be so cute. And it'll be just like a fun version of, like, that little cafe, and it's complicated, and then I think, no, because you'd have to interface with the public and that would do you in. And this is what I think of in times like that, when I'm like, I could not deal with people. I don't know how they do it. So they go back and forth. They're sharing this text about her coming in for a fitting, then making this, this catsuit and the amount of text and work and time that goes into this thing is just wild to me. It's like just days and weeks of, of going back and forth. Okay. No worries. I'll keep you posted. Thank you. Only letter you. I think Mikey spoke to Marco 10 AM tomorrow it is. And then they're going back and forth. And he's saying at the top, like due to Erica being in Miami over Halloween weekend for a performance, the fitting was moved to November 3rd at Leah's request. The fitting is moved last minute to center staging in the Valley. These guys are just getting jerked around left and right, in my opinion, looking at this like to her beck and call her every whim like, okay, we'll move it there. Okay, we'll do it there. Okay, we'll do 1030. Okay, 1030 doesn't work anymore. Okay, we will do it this. November 5th, 2015, at Michael Minden's request, beaded fringe. The beads used are $60 to $120 a yard, depending on length of fringe, requiring several yards and hours of hand
1: sewing to be added to an already sewn and embellished garment. Can we see what fringe-baited options you guys have? Smiley face. Okay, is there more options to make it look more rich?
0: Charms that hang, etc., dot, dot, dot. It's also at this point that I say to myself, wow, this person's version of what rich is and my version of what rich is are so wildly different. Where I see quiet luxury... They're adding gems and and jewels and dingley-danglies off of a leotard. She could just say, let's make it tackier. To each their own. To each their own. Bet they're misusing the word rich.
1: Also, comma, can we swing by around 5 p.m. to see and try? Whatever you feel that makes it look rich and fun. Not the normal Vegas stuff. Maybe mix both those. Cool. Hey,
0: just wondering if we should be expecting Marco today or tomorrow. Chris says, can you text him? I'm out of town. I did. I'll call! Thanks. The next day, Mikey's asking when Marco Marante will be arriving in Palm Springs with the new garment. Marco drives up to Palm Springs on November 7th to conduct a fitting at EJ's suite. This fitting has been all over the place. Now Marco himself is driving to Palm Springs the egos here at play. He makes all final adjustments by hand on site. November 8th, Marco dresses Erica EJ in her new costume and accompanies her to her performance. So Marco has to drive. Marco has to spend the night. So these are, these are also costs, by the way. There's no way. I mean, I hope that she paid for that. Slash the clients paid for it. Oh, God. And this is also reminiscent of the recent episode of Beverly Hills, where a bunch of men are standing around her deciding what she's going to look like. And she's like,
1: "I'll wear anything, boys. Because
0: she seems like she uh, approves of what they make for her. But I feel like this is Mikey's vision. Like, I'm reading all of this. It's like, Mikey wants to know, can I have a gold option with a black side panel insert of power mesh? Mikey wants more fringe. Uh, Mikey wants you to do this. Mikey wants you to do that. And then the truly insane part of this is that they're even telling them Friday, December 18th, 2015. Hey, tune into Housewives tonight. Marco on TV. How are you going to tell these people that they stole $800,000 from you when they're documented on the TV show fitting you into the thing that they made. You're documented on the TV show wearing all of these different outfits that they made you. And you're saying to yourself, how much is the outfit? Okay, I'm going to tell you. Of course, it seems to fluctuate, and I don't have all the information here, but Shopify receipts that I'm looking at, one from March 29th, 2016, Erica Girardi, wholesale, one item, $7,600. They also make it very clear in this little section here that says like, When you first buy something, that's the jumping off point. It can get way more expensive than that. How many times do you have to be fitted? How many, you know, additional pieces of fringe are you adding? Like, are you also then going to pay Marco to drive to Palm Springs and spend the night and do a custom fitting? Are you going to, as Leah does on March 17th, 2016, request that the white fringe be taken off and replaced with black fringe? Mikey and Marco... Speak about saving the white fringe for a white party the following month before April 9th, 2016. March 18th, 2016. A new text message from Leah.
1: Hey, do you have a pic of the fringe status? Winky face. Like that'd be it
0: for me, guys. Closing up shop. We have closed up shop. We We now fish off of a pier somewhere sunny and we don't talk to a lot of people. Chris sends her a picture and she says, so much better. Double exclamation point, two thumbs up. Maybe we can swing by on Friday morning to try costumes. Is that okay? Yeah, no problem from Chris. A day later, he writes back, Marco had to leave for airport at 1130 on Monday. We can do it quickly though, or maybe fit a little earlier. Leah says, should be pretty quick. We should be good if we get there on time, dot, dot, dot. Like it's hard to state how close these people were with each other. The fact that Marco is driving to Palm Springs, these text messages are happening all hours of day and night. He's handing stuff off at 1230 a.m. They even have an event on Saturday, May 14th that I'm looking at. They include the flyer here where they're doing an event, an Erica Jane live event. And it is brought to you by Marco Marco, hosted by Marco Marco. And all of Mikey's texts to Chris, they're all like, hi, babe. Hey, baby. Hey, babe. Like, oh, that, that is quite intimate. But I never see a babe back. I see, morning, LOL. Morning, smiley face. How do you go from, hi, babe, hey, baby, to, he stole $800,000 from EJ? I would love to understand the path that those synapses took. That's why I can't wait for this to go to trial. It's a civil case I, I really, really hope that we see it go to trial and for Erica to be willing to sacrifice this design house, this person who, you know, has done so much to help her career. And she, of course, gets angry in the L.A. Times article when they say when they recall, you know, Chris saying that she came to them to try to help her of finding fame. And she's like,
1: they didn't help me. I've worked hard and I made music videos and I'm
0: like, ma'am, you are known for patting a puss in a catsuit and they made those cat suits. You did events where they hosted the events for you. I think she definitely, my opinion is she definitely benefited from having such a strong relationship with Marco Marco and having such beautiful, amazing, one of a kind things made for her. Another receipt I'm looking at, the grand total is $9,156 for one item. That's so much money. Then again, that's before fittings. That's before embellishments. That's before having outfits made for her dancers and backup outfits. And pull the fringe off and put this fringe on and add this and replace the white with the black beads and drive it to my house and go here. And can you run this outside for me? A note I'm looking at here says, May 23rd, 2016, newly filed card is charged. Constant contact is maintained with team from this point through fittings, completion, and performance. There are no disputes regarding this look or this charge, and the client and her staff continue to order costumes in duplicate and triplicate. Another Shopify receipt is for $10,000 from one item. And we got a very clear uh, email from Mikey to Chris CCing Leah saying all caps, need a new costume for AJ's show in Mykonos, the R-H-O-B-H, Will Filming. Have Marco call me when he's availed today. XX is lowercase, M-M. And let me tell you how nice they are, how nice Chris is or his legal team is. They have blocked out Mikey's email and phone number. That is rare. Usually I take the step of doing that because legal documents, they, sh- they mention it all. The other little interesting tidbit in Exhibit 1 is a back and forth with a text chain called Mikey and Leah. So I don't know who exactly is, is saying what on this particular one because the, the copy is so bad that I can't tell whose name is above this one section where it says, The Abbey Show at this point is out of my hands. EJ is waiting on an answer from Bravo to see if they will let her do the E! Network show. I don't remember seeing an E! Network show. So either Bravo didn't let her do it or it fell through. But that's always fun tea to get in the background, isn't it? And that's a part of a larger discussion on them sending sketches based on what they wanted for her. And so there's a bunch of different sketches of like a red outfit and they're like, Mikey's like, thank you. We'll discuss with EJ tomorrow and circle back. So while Erica is too important to be on these text chains about all the stuff that concerns what she wears on stage, she's alluded to many times of like, she says yes to this and Mikey says yes to this on behalf of her. I showed her this. This is what we want. We're going to bring her in on this day at this time. And honestly, it's just the audacity, too. It's like, you know, Leah's texting them and she's like, it would be a maze if he could drop off center stage or home later. So she wants one of them to drop off an outfit. And they're like, "Okay, cool. Probably your home. They're dropping stuff off at Leah's house, at Mikey's house. Uh, uh, And the outfit that they dropped off, Erica is then holding in a screenshot on bravotv.com showing off her costumes and the costumes that they were going back and forth about with images going back and forth on text. She's holding one and the other one is behind her. So these exist. They happen. This money wasn't just stolen without a good or a service being offered is what the point of this is. Gotta stop looking at this thing. All right, this dive has to be done. I could get, I mean, we're lucky that there was only one exhibit. We could have been here for another 30 minutes because these are really fascinating to read. I will put a link to them on my stories tomorrow when this pod drops. I hope this was interesting to you. This Marco Marco lawsuit is, for me, one of the biggest pieces of evidence that Erica herself on her own is pretty cutthroat. I've always seen her that way. I've never seen her as like a pathetic creature type person. I don't think she sees herself that way. Almost like how Tom yelled out the F word in court when somebody was kind of painting him in a way he didn't like. I think they're very similar. They've said that to us many times. She led this charge and she was angry about it and she remained irate about it when they dismiss the charges, then I don't know what the outcome is going to be, but I'm going to be watching. And birds of a feather flock together. So I'm judging hard from my opinion with uh, Mikey and Leah as well. If they also met with Secret Service, and they also met with American Express, and they also put their names and their necks on the line for this, then that's a lot to answer for right now. Next pod will drop on Monday. That will be recapping the reunion of Beverly Hills, the first one. Ah, I'm not looking forward to it just because I just did this dive. And so I can't, I don't really want to see Erica's face or hear her voice for a minute, but I'm going to do it. We'll recap that on Monday and talk about other Bravo news. In the meantime, please subscribe to this pod. If you're enjoying it, tell a friend to tell a friend, but whatever you do, don't be like Mikey and Leah. If you're working for a rich person who all of a sudden wants to take down a vendor, and you know how much work that vendor has done, and that it's pretty much impossible for them to have stolen $800,000, tell the rich person they're on their own, lest you end up named in a lawsuit and on trial.